0: please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily
1: Daf Differently. I am Rabbi Steve Kane, and today we will be looking at Rosh Hashanah, Daff Chaf Bet, Rosh Hashanah, page 22a and b. It is the uh, end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2 in Masechet Rosh Hashanah. Now, uh, near the top of the page, um, we'll give you an overview of of both pages. Uh, Near the top of the page, it begins to speak about um, a father and a son who have witnessed the new moon. And um, normally speaking, when uh, you have relatives, close relatives, they're not allowed to come and give testimony together. One can, or the other can, but they can't give joint testimony. So the beginning Mishnah actually mentions that um, in the case of testifying that the new moon has come, uh, according to Rabbi Shimon, they actually can testify that they have seen a new moon. They can come together and testify to this. Uh, ultimately, the conclusion of the uh, of the Gemara is going to be that um, that Rabbi Shimon is accepted. That. Um, that his point of view is halacha. What is interesting is that later on in the codes, they reverse this decision. And there are different ways. Either they uh, read Rabbi Shimon's uh, reasoning as um, being rejected, or they reverse the names of the different people in the Mishnah. But in either case, uh, the Gemara does seem to indicate that... um, that a father and a son could come and testify about the, about the new moon, uh, but ultimately the codes reject that and they say that if a father and son comes, the only reason they both come is to add one other person uh, to them and one remains silent while the other testifies. If the father or uh, is, uh, for example, um, disqualified, if he is pasul, then the son can step up and testify with the other person. Uh, near the end of... Um, uh, of the uh, of the chapter, the very end of the chapter, actually the Mishnah, um, it then picks up on what happens if um, if someone is uh, um, uh, how, who else is disqualified rather from from testifying, and it lists four different um, kinds of people who are disqualified. Uh, one is a misachek B'Kubiah, a dice player. A second is one who is malvet B'Revit, uh, one who lends with interest. Uh, the third one who is disqualified is one who races doves. And the fourth is shviit, people who sell produce during the shemitah, during the sabbatical year. Now, what do all four of these uh, people have in common? All four of them are stealing in a certain sense, um, and therefore they're dishonest and not to be believed. So a dice player, well, When you gamble, a dice player uh, feels that he's going to win. Um, And therefore, in a sense, they're stealing money every time that they win or when they lose, money is being stolen from them. The Torah, of course, forbids lending at interest. So if you lend at interest, uh, it is money that you have stolen. Dove racers, there's different um, questions as to what exactly a dove racer might do, but it seems to be something like um, like gambling like the dice player was. And finally, the Socharei um, Shvi'it, person who sells during the uh, sabbatical year, uh, what they're doing, they're forbidden. You are forbidden from, um, from working the land and selling it. Uh, you just eat what grows of its own. Uh, and therefore, there too, you are stealing um, from the land if you take it. And uh, don't just keep it for yourself, but try to sell it. So all of those people are disqualified from testifying uh, because they're, they're not trustworthy. Now, the second chapter uh, starts out, again, on, on the same um, uh, question of um, who is trustworthy and who is not. The second chapter continues on the same theme of trustworthiness. Because ultimately, uh, the Mishnah now tells us that um, you need to recognize the witnesses in order to accept them. Why is that so? Why shouldn't any witness be accepted? Well, it turns out that there was a group called the Bayt Hussim, who um, perhaps were Samaritans, uh, perhaps they were um, Sadducees. Uh, Not clear exactly who they were, but they tried to disrupt the process of declaring the new moon um, by bribing witnesses and having the witnesses come and uh, give testimony that they saw the moon when they really didn't. Um, that's the first indication of, uh, of someone who is not trustworthy. Then towards the end of the uh, of the page, um, the Mishnah again raises another group which are similar to the Baitisim. Um They're called Kutim. And uh, in this case, when once the... Um, once the new moon had been once the new month had been declared once witnessing had taken place the original way that they would make it known to um, everyone in the land of Israel and then out to the diaspora was to light fires on top of mountains that was a fairly quick way to let people know but what happened was that a group called the kutim would uh, would come along and light fires at the wrong time and confuse people so you have both of these groups the Baitusim and the kutim who are not to be trusted because uh, they're, um, uh, what they wished to do was to undermine rabbinic authority. At the same time, between these two stories, um, you have a, um, a very interesting statement that um, is made during a, um, a story about uh, Ullah. You see, Ullah came from um, to Babylonia from the land of Israel, and he declared that they had... Um, uh, already uh, sanctified the new moon and the question is uh, why is he believed and the Gemara makes uh, makes the following statement it says call milta d'avidah le'igluyeh lo mashak rebah that um, something which people are going to, um, to know about something which is fairly public uh, someone would not lie about that. So you have in the middle of these two groups that are trying to uh, fool the rabbis, a statement that, you know, uh, on a certain level, uh, we have to have believability from one person to the next, um, especially believability in areas that are going to be very, very public, like um, uh, like when the new moon actually began. Um, and I think that that is perhaps the, the most important principle on uh, on chafbet, is that whole question of uh, nemanut, of believability. Uh, It lists off those uh, four groups of people who we don't accept because if they're going to steal in different ways from people, they shouldn't be be believed. And it lists off these two groups who commonly tried to undermine rabbinic authority, um, and they too shouldn't be believed. But in general, if someone comes to tell you something that ultimately the public is going to be able to find out about, they should be believed. And it seems to me that that is the, uh, the guiding principle here uh, behind um, this whole question of, uh, of who is believed and who is not believed um, in terms of determining uh, when Rosh Chodesh has occurred. Um, in general, uh, we if, if someone comes from a group, which is um, a trustworthy group, um, if someone says to you something which can be verified by public, Uh, they should be believed. And of course, I think that the rabbis meant us to understand that this believability uh, extends beyond the question of Rosh Chodesh, of the new moon. Um, If you know people who come from, uh, um, are trustworthy people, then what they tell you, you're going to believe. And at the same time, when someone tells you something that can be verified in a very public kind of manner, uh, but you haven't heard the news yet, uh, then too, would believe them. And so this whole question of being trustworthy, I think, relies on both the source and, um, and the ability to know, in the end, what the source is going to tell you. And perhaps that's something that we can really learn from, uh, from this page of Gomorrah, is the question of trustworthiness of, of individuals and trustworthiness of news, and uh, um, how um, it applied in ancient times, but how we can also apply it today to our own lives.